So I called someone in our management services team and he jokingly said that let's hire a private jet. And then I said, let's hire a private jet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Talent Surgery, episode four. That means we've actually done three so far. So if you haven't had a chance to look at it, like, subscribe, please make any comments. We love feedback uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So I'm Steve, this is my co-host. Hi everyone, Yasser Ahmed here. Um, very excited for this episode, fourth episode, so yeah. pretty impressive. Um, today we're joined by Kieran Dodd, um, Vice President of Talent and People at Preply. Preply is a e-learning platform, language training platform. Um, we've worked together at Zalando. Maybe you want to tell the audience uh, a bit about you? Yeah, sure, we have. Yeah, Kieran Dodd, uh, currently the VP of Talent and People at Preply. Very well done, because a lot of people say pre-ply, but it's Preply. And we are the largest online one-to-one -one language learning platform. You will find other subjects, but we focus predominantly on language learning. And a little bit about me, um, 12 years now in talent acquisition, way too long. Um, from London to Amsterdam to Berlin to, to Barcelona, I worked for some companies like Booking.com, Zalando, and now for the last two years uh, for Preply. Amazing. Amazing. That's so... Um this is kind of a typical question. Did you really, did you want to get into HR and talent? Is this the path you pursued during your school years? Yes, there's every recruitment <laughs> I want to. Uh, no, I wanted to be a football player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I like to say it was because of an injury that I never worked oh, out, but I believe there was... Yeah, many times. <laughs> there was some problem in talent. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, so I went down a different route of talent yeah. into talent acquisition. Nice. But no. Trouble scoring um, the goals, eh? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, when you work in uh, recruitment in London and you join a recruitment agency, every single guy you meet says, yeah, semi-pro footballer. It's never true. It's very yeah. hard to break it into uh, <laughs> that kind of industry, though. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that we should we should get a footballer on. I think <coughs> we should. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so you started off in an agency. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, so I actually moved down to London. Yeah. Uh, probably what half an hour the city is from here. Where's the accent from? Scotland. Yeah. Edinburgh. Oh, okay. Edinburgh. Yeah. So done um, two years with uh, quite a large. Uh, agency. Um, I actually was on the weirdest uh, desk, as what we call it there. So I'd done contract recruitment for QA testers of Ruby and Cucumber. Very niche. Um, but unbelievable. That's how, exactly how I started in my uh, agency career. Really? The testing market. Yeah, Mercury Test Suite. Yeah. Wow, that's Funny. crazy. I didn't do any of that. So, yeah. <laughs> you didn't do agency? No, I did agency for three months and I walked out. Mm. So I went straight in house. I like to say it's one of the best learning grounds if you're in the right place. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've gone strength to strength in each of your roles, right? Yeah. From as soon as you landed in the house, um, usually we start off by asking a productivity hack uh, that you would kind of instill in your day to day. But today I want to ask a bit different. What's the secret ingredient? You've been growing strength strength since I've known you. You've like just in your career you've excelled as well. What do you think is the key? One thing, if you had to pinpoint, is really helpful for um, Honestly, there's two parts. There's, the honest answer is luck and timing, I think. So I joined booking.com 2015, right at the point where everyone wanted to hire engineers. We were a small TA team, 14 people. By the time I left, we were I think 75 in Seattle, Tel Aviv, Shanghai, and Amsterdam. So right place, right time. Why me? Um, very, very good mentors. Um, and then probably other part is just very, very quickly realized that working smart, mm. using data to influence a lot of your decisions when you're in-house, you get buy-in straight away from the stakeholders. Mm. And then honestly, I think someone once said to me, perception is reality and if you want to show up at work then you need to show up every day and I think that's something that I take every day like no matter what happens at home when I'm at work mm -hmm. I'm there and I'm dedicated 
and it's very very difficult sometimes to keep that out but i think that has really helped That's me in terms point. of like, yeah. yeah you have a favorite skill and Which one? There's so many. But your <laughs> your number one you said to me was curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. Yeah. I feel like that's a big one as well. In your career, I've seen you kind of move from side to side, right? E curiosity and probably being open to take on something new as well. So actually, curiosity is one of our values at Prep Play, and I think it's unbelievably important. Like I've seen the episode where you spoke about when you ask a recruiter how curious they are, and that is just so important to be successful. Yeah. I think. But the other part is just like being comfortable and putting yourself in the uncomfortable because then you're able to take on new opportunities and explore mm. different places. Might not always be successful, but if you don't do it, yeah, yeah. you're never going to know. So uh, with your current organization, Preply, mm -hmm. not Preply, um, it's a global organization, right? It's uh... Yeah, correct. So Ukrainian founded. Um, I joined at 100 and. 30 employees we're now 500 um so we're 230 in barcelona 30 in the us we were 180 in ukraine um due to the war we've um had some people move out of ukraine as you can imagine and then we have about 130 people globally a lot of that is customer service and then some other dedicated talent in different areas wow interesting no, uh, I was just gonna. I mean, I was just really curious around the whole, you know, the whole Ukrainian uh, yeah. situation, you know, and I, I've got some serious questions to ask you, and hopefully not too serious for the for the audience, but I think it's a very good talking point to discuss because there's a lot of learnings in there as well. Mm. From what I understand that Preply has done, and uh, you know, I've I've worked with Andreas obviously, as you know, um, and uh, I know. A lot of the, the 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 amazing work that you guys have done, yeah. uh, but I don't think a lot of people did know. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess <clears throat> my first question really is, what would you be able to describe some of the the biggest challenges that you faced while you were reorganizing, reshaping, but also hiring uh, Ukrainian talent? You know, during this period. Yeah. Um, so I think the. Nothing that we faced was as difficult as the people in Ukraine Agreed. faced. Um, what was difficult for us was it was a situation that no one had experienced before. Um, and why I think we handled it very well was, number one, straight away, our founders, the CEO and the CTO was people first. So everything stopped and let's do everything that we can do to support our preplers that were in Ukraine and um, take the steps to make sure that they're safe. And probably the second part was, as you said, like Andres, for example, like the guy done so much work. I think he worked two weeks, didn't sleep one day. Who's Andres for the audience? Uh, yeah, so Andres is our director of uh, people ops. Um, okay. So he helped. I mean, we had a full contingency team, like the, the whole team that stepped in. But to be honest, the whole company supported. We had the minute people landed in Barcelona, they were staying at different preppers houses. Um, people were working until two in the morning on a Saturday trying to organize uh, vehicles to get people out of Kiev at the very early stages. Wow. I think it was just a very, very human approach that, that Preply exactly. took. Um, and then on, on the other side of like, we're proud of our Ukrainian roots, so we will always continue to hire. Um, we have hired in Ukraine since um, the, the war has happened. Of course, there's times where we need to make decisions on what roles can we put there because of infrastructure and we need to make sure that obviously Preply's always able to run. Yeah. Um, but no, we're, we're very, very proud. Uh, and I'm also very, very proud to work for a Ukrainian company, our new company. It must've been, why well, I'm sure it was very intense. What was your immediate feeling when you found out and your kind of C-level, your team reached out to you and said, hey, look, this is the situation. Because I remember at the time you telling me you would, I think you were doing more than just recruitment, right? You were kind of stepping in, <coughs> helping in other areas as well. Yeah, it's it, it's a bit of a, a funny, it's not a funny story, but how, how it all happened. So my boss had actually uh, resigned about uh, a month before he was running and then she was currently in Ukraine. Oh, wow. So she was unable to like do a handover because she herself, like we were supporting her leave. So I had just stepped straight into the H, HR role. I don't think you had any feelings like, my first feeling was 
how can we help as many people mm. uh, as quickly as we can yeah. um, and just take the the steps that would make sure people were safe. I think looking back on it, it's, I think sometimes if it's an insensitive thing to say, but it's the hardest part of my career, but the most rewarding at the same time, because I feel like I've really done something for people. I remember this one moment we had uh, an employee who traveled for I think five days from Kiev because of the trains and then having to get different cars, go to different borders with her daughter. And then we got her into Warsaw, we booked her hotel into Warsaw, and then we flew her over and she just stepped into the Barcelona office and we'd been on calls over and over. And I was like, probably the happiest, but then at the same time, like one of the saddest moments, it was such a strange feeling yeah. to have. Um, so it's completely surreal, right? Su surreal. and and. Now what I think as well is like so many people have gone through that at Preply that we, I don't know, like I, I've worked for some great companies, but I'm not sure I have the same I feel like, no, sentiment so, yeah. that I now have with Preply. You're close, like you're yeah. really, really close. Exactly. Yeah. Even more so right now that like going on, what's going on in the last, well, however long, but it's even the, the affinity you have to your organization is special, right? You're like a real connection there, which, means that it's a very people-driven organization. 100%, and I, I think the big part for me, we're talking a lot about me, but it was the teams underneath that done everything. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. everyone stepped up there. Everyone in our organization stepped up. And, and I, I hope, and I think they do, they all feel like extremely proud of the work that they've done to support their colleagues. Once you got everybody kind of settled and you're, because obviously I'm, still, I'm sure there's still challenges going on. So when I say settled, I mean, to the best of your ability. Yeah. Um, you obviously went back to hiring, or I'm assuming you're still back in that situation where there is some hiring going on or retrition or mm -hmm. the business has to run, right? Mm -hmm. So how are you addressing that in your role as a leader? How are you addressing the current recruitment trends that are going on right now? What do you think of, A, the trends? How you oh, asked a big question there. It's like four things in one. <laughs> I'll try and answer it. He tries so, to trip you up. Yeah. yeah. Be careful. So I think the first part is, which is honest, is making sure the whole organization knows business continuity still needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we are a site that we have to be online. Yeah. If we go down, then we have a problem. Yeah. And yeah. we need to look after our customers and then we also need to look after our staff. So business continuity is the first part. I think with the question on how are we monitoring trends now, I think, I mean, you see what happens now that there's so many layoffs that are happening in the world at the moment. Um, so we are, as an organization, just being very smart about how we do workforce planning. So what do we think about that? Do we need the role? Is it the right role? Is it the right time? Is it the right place? Versus two years ago when there was funding flying all over the world and companies were scaling crazy, what we don't want to do is end up in a position that we have to do a reorg like the companies are doing right at the moment. Yeah. And then finally, it's probably looking into now AI and how we can interact that into our organization. That's interesting. Out of curiosity, how did you maintain communication with the employees, but also prospect candid candidates as well? Yeah, very good question. So there was times where we weren't able to like keep comms because people were going into bomb shelters, etc. Yeah. But we had a contingency team that every single day phoned our list of people and we knew where they were. Okay. So where possible, we were, I mean, we we're a Slack organization. Yeah. And then with candidates as well, it was the exact you same Use Slack, just to be clear, you use Slack. You're, you're not Slack. Only Slack. I don't think I've <laughs> don't ever- Slack off. I don't think I've ever received an email in Preply. We only communicate via <laughs> Slack. Um, but I think what you brought up is a very good point as well, because we had a duty of care of our candidates exactly. that were in process as well. And, and I'm very fortunate that we had the recruitment team that was very focused on that as well and helping. And it wasn't just like the amount of people that we helped leave um, Kiev at the time was mm. not just preply employees. There was family members, there was friends, and at times there was candidates if they needed support and we knew where there was a bus going. So it really resonates really well with in terms of company culture, what type of organization properly is um how do you convey that now like considering you you're obviously trying to attract new talent do you know how what does that look like in terms of your employer branding your retaining your talent like what kind of have you <coughs> changed to your i don't know evp values i don't know what, what? We, we're actually working on our uh values principles at the moment um they, they're not dramatically changing i think what 
has helped now is it just reinforces what prep play is. If you think about prep play fundamentally, it's a tool that connects two humans together. Yeah. It breaks down borders across the world. You can be a tutor in Colombia and you can be speaking to someone in New Zealand. And that's what we're about. We're about connecting people and bringing people together. So the sort of people that we want to hire is people that want to have a positive impact on the world. And I think just the way that we operated at that time just reinforced our, our, our mission. We're, we're basically, how I would say, is like the world class. Mm. We're a classroom for everyone yeah. in the you world. live and breathe exactly what exactly. your product is. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, are you able to discuss any kind of measures that you took to ensure the safety uh, and the well-being of your you know, staff? Yes. I, I mean, honestly, it was all about like, crisis communication making sure that we understood everyone was there when the war had first started we were booking hotels all over ukraine all over poland once we got people through um through the through the borders as well so it was it was really just making sure that we knew where every single person was um at that time and that they were as safe as they could be i mean there was times where we were unable to get in contact with people as you would expect Um, and even now today like there's still blackouts that happen we've reopened our office you have um yeah uh, sorry where is in kiev it's in kiev yeah we've reopened our office yeah nice i think it is amazing how your 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 hr but obviously your whole company, but I would say predominantly your HR and talent teams have pivoted into like a new type of yeah. skill, right? And and they've, un, under pressure, but they've, it's completely out, it's been out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I imagine it's been entirely out of all of your comfort zones. So for you to guys step up and to be able to kind of manage that, it's it's, it's amazing. Yeah, maybe one last nice story on on ukraine and then you can ask more <laughs> tas uh, one really really nice story was um right at the early stage uh we were phoning each employee checking if they were safe and uh, mm-hmm. someone very um an hr team uh hr ops team called one employee and they said hey like are you okay how can we help and they said honestly everything you've done has been amazing so far there's one small request it's my daughter's birthday. Do you think you could get a birthday cake to where we are? And this was early on, and they made it happen. They oh, got yeah. a birthday cake in Kiev to where their daughter was. And that's just like one of the smallest stories. But, I mean, it's just insane. Nice. That is pretty cool. Um, okay, shifting the conversation slightly differently to more around productivity. Mm. What's your favorite productivity hack? I have two. Um, number one, uh, have you read the 5 a.m.? Yep. Yeah. So I always put 45 minutes in my calendar from 7 till 7.45 and I write in it self-reflection. Okay. So I'm already up and all I do is think like, what do I need to achieve today? What did I not do yesterday? And then what are the three topics? And maybe even if there's some slacks that happened that I missed. So I have this 45 minute period every single day I know exactly what needs to be done straight away versus going straight into a meeting at 9 a.m. And then you can't get into into the actual important stuff. And the last one is hire a very good team and delegate. <laughs> That's your hack. <laughs> it, 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 it's so true, though. Delegate, I mean, I'm, yes. I'm horrendous with Excel. Horrendous. Yeah. I can do it. Take me five hours. So I, we, I build teams in a way that they're very, very efficient and use them, use them yeah. effectively. Too many people take too much responsibility on themselves and delay, like focus on what your strengths are. Don't yeah. always focus on your weaknesses. Nice. You wake up in the morning quite early as well, don't I you? I do. Do you do I the do. reflection? I don't do the reflection because generally I don't have time. I've got to get the kids ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reflection. I've got lunches like to make. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got clothes to put out. Yeah, so like making that peanut butter sandwich. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I, you know when I do my self reflection when I take my dog for a walk. I when thought you were going to say something just, different there. When it's just me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, say? To the to- on the toilet. No, you know, no, there no, was no. A recent <laughs> There was a recent article that went out that said that men spend an average of seven hours on toilets every year. And I'm pretty sure it's more than seven hours. Yeah, hours it's, it's seven hours. It's got to be more than long. that. It sounds good, yeah. much more than but that's, that. But even that is just a long time. Enough of this trash talk. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I love taking my dog for a walk because that is the time when I can talk back to, I can talk to my dog and I know he's not going to talk back to me. <laughs> yeah. 
nice. Um, so you talked about building teams there. Uh, when you're looking for new members to join your team, what is the skill set? What is the thing that really stands out for you? What's the one, like we talked about curiosity, but yeah. is there mm -hmm. anything else that you, actually, if you're interviewing a recruiter, what you, would you be looking for? Have you ever read the book, The Ideal Team Player? No, I haven't. No. no. So, Who is it? Do you know who it's by? Oh, I actually forgot who it's by, but I can tell you what it taught me in terms of interviewing. So number one is hunger. And I think you need that in talent acquisition. Totally. Like you need to be a go-getter. We don't live in a world where it's a passive market and people are just applying. So I think to see hunger, tenacity, and, and self-drive, like they want to grow themselves. The next one is people smart. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean like have the best education. It just means that they're smart. They're um, emotionally intelligent. They understand people. They can speak Strong to the CEO, sense. yeah, but they can also come down a level. And then the last one's humility. And I think if you have all three of them, then your class is an ideal team player. Nice. What do you What do you think when someone's looking for a job? Because we were in a conversation earlier today with Theo. Yes. Um, yes, what, is, what do you think is the, in your view, important things to stand out for? If you're looking for a job, if you're interviewing a candidate, what do you think you really look at? Because we talked about this before in terms of skill set. For me, when I'm talking to candidates, there's a, there's always one question. Uh, now, here's my hack uh, I'm giving away. There's always one question which I ask that, for me, cuts through a lot of the bull crap, um, which is, where are you when you're in your element? <coughs> because I feel that that strips them back now, the candidates that I find answer straight away, they're not thinking, they're not taking their time yeah. to think, and they're just giving you an answer because they think you want an answer. I want to see people who are taking their time, really taking that in. What does that mean? Where am I when I'm at the top of my game, right? Mm. So am I selling a deal? Am I, it could be anything, right? Am I writing the best marketing campaign? Those candidates I find, that real true authenticity comes out and I know whether or not they're gonna be that, that, that person for the role. Yeah, I have this uh, thing we mentioned earlier. When I'm speaking to potential people that I'm hiring, I wanna know, I want them to say something like if I've got, like for a recruiter, for example, if a recruiter is interviewing with me, they'll usually say, oh, well, I hit 50 hires or 40 hires or 20 hires and they are oh, great. Well, that's just a metric, yeah. I don't care. Um, but if they just add this one simple thing, but I had the ambition to do 25 or 30 or 40. It just shows me this, yeah. I want more, I want this. And it kind of goes from, you know, I liked that accomplishment, now I love that accomplishment yeah. because you've just added this extra element which is like the go-getter, the hungriness. An ambition to succeed. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think we can knock the achievements from a KPI perspective and no, you know, no. data perspective, because that's that's there for a reason, right? It yeah. means that you are tracking it and you're you're really kind of pushing yourself to, to reach that. But I think that the achievements also need to be something like, where have you stepped outside your comfort zone? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, we've really kind of tested yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I think one, because sometimes with KPIs, so one KPI I hate, I absolutely hate. It's time to hire. Uh, I guess it's the most vanity metric ever. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Well, time, what? time. Explain for the audience because the different terminologies of time to hire. I think we know because we work together. But yeah. So for me, if you were going to use that metric, you would use time to fill, and time to fill is the day the job opens to the point that the candidate accepts. And if you want to be really good, then do time to start because that's when the person Very starts. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it's two months until they're on board. So, but. Time to fill is just this random metric that mm. everyone speaks about. And it's such, in my opinion, a vanity metric. It, it, I don't know why I, I get out So I'm going to debate that with you. So time to fill, we use time to start. We use in HelloFresh. And my teams, if they're watching, they'll love this. So time to hire. I agree there's an element which is like, why? Why? Yeah. But the, what you're trying to measure is actually time in step. 
True. That's what you're trying to measure. Like how long does your average time in steps take? Maybe it shouldn't be time to hire. Maybe it should be time in first interview, second interview, third interview, time in screen. Yeah. Instead of time the hire. period between the first interview yeah. and the second interview. Because if your time to hire day. is let's say forty days, but it was actually just three day interview and then forty day offer <laughs> or twenty thirty seven day offer, then there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. So that that's why I would say time to hire is the sub levels of it are good maybe the overall is not really me yeah I agree. the average Ta doesn't give you the real story no no time and stages is, is i agree with that yeah time to start what was that favorite question you had had uh, i remember you used to ask oh that was it i know <laughs> you, you go ahead go on yeah, well let's see if we remember how to measure quality, quality of, of hire. hire yeah do you want to know something i ask anyone that question yeah. like if if i'm interviewing a VP of HR, if I'm interviewing a VP of engineering, because I think there is no right or wrong answer. It's more about like, can you think about it? Mm. There's certainly practical steps that you can take, yeah. but there's so many different avenues that you can go down. So it's almost a on the fly case study. And it's like, can that person really think about it? And that's why I love that question, even though there is no perfect answer for it. And to be honest with you, I don't think any company solved it yet. No, because mm. every company does things differently when they're uh, measuring the quality or higher. Yeah. It could, it could be based on so many different factors. That should be the answer. Starting point should be like, okay, there's multiple different ways. One could be measuring pro probation, you know, uh, appraisal, salaries, exit interviews. There's lots Assessments, of Assessments, yeah. But the point is that if someone says, I don't know, that's a, why didn't you try? Yeah, or but but I would coach them through it. Yeah, like I interviewed a woman from uh, McKinsey the other day, and she nailed it. Even though there is no nailing it, yeah. but she said all the stuff that you said. But then she said, "But you do know that it's impossible because there's too many variables." Yeah. The bad manager. Yeah. How do you account for that? Yeah. Poor onboarding. Yeah. How do you account for that? Problem in their personal life. How do you account for that? Yeah, it's true. Good challenge. Yeah, yeah. Good. Very yeah. good. Hope you're harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Join him, whoever yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so just on the, I, I want to deep dive in into this because, you know, um, you used to manage an executive function yeah. in Zalando and you went from, it was the first time they had an executive function. So Correct. a lot of it, I think the emphasis was on bringing in top talent into the organization two questions one is how would you what is the difference between a senior recruiter and executive recruiter in your world and the second question is what changed for you from a sourcing aspect when it came to executive recruitment did you change anything in terms of your yeah opinion? the second question is easier to answer so i'll start yeah <laughs> i'll start with that one i think from an exec point of view number one you need to understand what your business needs Yep. So you need to sit with the senior stakeholders and also HR, do workforce planning, succession planning, go, what do we need? Yep. I mean, the big difference there is we were very targeted. So we said, here's 40 companies that we know are top, top companies. Let's go and map the top one, top 2% of those companies in senior, senior roles, mm. map them out, then try and get as many of them on the phone and work out what's right for us. Right. And then the next part of that is is actually the, the realization of when you, to be a good exec recruiter, you need to be able to steer senior stakeholders. I'll give you an example. The CTO wants a VP of engineering. Um, they want 25 years uh, engineering experience. They want a degree from Stanford uh, MBA. They want the person to work at Airbnb during the scaling period and then had some experience at Google. And it's like, okay, <laughs> there's uh, no one that can do that. But we, what we done, remember we worked, so we actually built a tool that was a data tool that would take, if you just took the top part of every single person that could maybe do that job, then plugged in each requirement, yeah. we would take it to the C-level and go, there's your pool of, there's your, there's yeah. your pool of candidates. Yeah. There's two people. One of them's married with kids in Seattle and doesn't want to move to London, Berlin or Amsterdam. And then the other one's just taking a new job. And I think that was like one of the, the big differences maybe for the first question between an exec recruiter and, I mean, you can have a senior exec recruiter, but it's it's really being able to steer the business. Like, 
Can I just challenge that a little mm-hmm. bit? Sorry, just when you mentioned about you know the top one two percent of those forty companies, even just those forty companies, isn't there a issue? But isn't there a risk of missing out on other talent that is could be hidden talent? Let's say very high potential from other companies or div- diversity as or well. Or diversity as well. Yeah, I was going to say because you, you you almost just you're actually kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit because you're limiting the pool yourself. Yes and no. Um, Because first and foremost is the reason that you're targeting those companies is because the scaling challenges that you're trying to fill those companies have gone through. So there's a purpose for that, yeah? Yeah. So of course there's very good talent in another organization, but if you want someone that's seen 10,000 to 20,000 engineers and they have to have seen that, you can only go to a company that's seen 10,000 to 20,000 okay. um, engineers. Di- diversity 100% is a problem, especially yeah. on exec level. Um, it's about how do you take steps to make sure that you limit that as much as possible to make sure you have a fair process. But I guess you're, you're, that was the, it's interesting because you, you mentioned, okay, we map out these companies. Now you're doing that to kind of satisfy the need of the executive, but then also you're going there and saying, you're educating them saying, actually, you've only got a pool of two people. If we widen it, then it might not be those top 40 companies. It might be the top 100 companies. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, you gather more data as well. Like a, a, maybe a very good example, I won't say which organization, but one of the organizations I work for, they said, just go and get people from this one company. And they're like, don't target anyone else, um, which is just a problem, isn't it? And You're just n- becoming a spammer to the company. And, and, no, and there's good a miniature and ba- version of whatever that company There's yeah. good and bad people yeah. in every company. Yeah. And I tell you what, all of us might end up being bad in the wrong environment as well. It's about the environment that someone goes into. I think mm. the top, top, top talent are very flexible <clears> and can perform in great environments and bad environments. But yeah, I agree. Like if you really, really limit your pool and you have a negative impact. Because then you're only bringing one type of knowledge to your organization. It's it's, it's not flexible. Sorry. 100%. No, no, no. I I didn't have a follow-up question. I just just would say one ad lib. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) DJ Khalid. Another one. Um, What advice do you have for individuals or organizations looking to really improve their recruitment process um, and attract? attract top talent especially given that you've done this now multiple times in lots of different organizations and now yeah you know you've got some experience you can really give us a fair view um process is uh really invest in it first and foremost so know what you're qualifying know the stages that you have track the data um one thing that i done straight away at Preply is build an ops team to make sure that our TA ops was set up properly so we really had solid processes and that we knew what we were doing. For top talent... Just just before you go into the ops team, just can you just explain what they do? Yeah, so as soon as I joined Preply, I pushed for budget to hire a ops lead. And what they'd done is they brought in an ATS, a new one. Um, for us they made sure that was set up how we wanted it to be set up that we were able to track the data that we wanted it they managed all the tools so candidate experience um, LinkedIn different job boards that we were using and then be able to prove the value of them because you end up there's something called technical debt if you do it too late in a TA team you end up with recruitment debt so when I joined the startup we had Lever at the time we had 22,000 candidates just sitting in job application stage because we were just a small company. They wouldn't really help us fix it. So in the end, I just said, we, we start afresh somewhere else. Yeah. So that's ops, basically, making sure that your infrastructure runs as well as it can, building your dashboards on Lucar. Top talent, um, I think know what you're selling. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest like people want to work for a great company with great people with a great purpose and there's i don't think there's anything particularly that will beat that in all honesty if you work for an organization that is purpose first mission-led has extremely smart and strong talent wants to have an impact on the world whether that be in ai whether that be in education whether that be in okay, yeah. sport like that beats all there was um there's a problem with that though. There's a 
it's happening now with all these layoffs that's happening there's this kind of shareholder supremacy mindset yeah it was this milton friedman this uh, american economist in the 1970s he came up with this concept of every ceo should focus on making as much money as possible for their shareholders and that led to a lot of organizations kind of it almost kind of pegged the ceo one level down kind of knocked their ego and just said hey you just focus on making us money and that's where a lot of these companies they kind of went down this route of just really focusing on shares money 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 and now we're seeing a bit of a shift and actually we thought a lot of companies that were purposeful mm. are actually proved showing their true colors right illusion again it's illusion it's a facade right yeah. and and there is this kind of if you said work for a purposeful company or purpose driven company what does that actually mean because every company is claiming to be purpose driven you talk to a google or a microsoft or an amazon they all say they're a purpose driven company amazon maybe makes it clear that they want to be the best customer centric company in the world i think uh, microsoft i don't know what their vision statement is but i know google is they want to provide access to information to everybody based up anywhere at any time yeah yeah and then they're making these mass layoffs yeah when they made like 200 however many billion dollars <laughs> So how can you be purpose driven? I mean, I don't work for Google or Microsoft, That's so I'm okay. not sure I can answer how they can be purpose driven. Um but what's your perspective is what I'm more referring to. So if, by the way, if there are any, you know, recruiters that are listening from Google or Amazon, we would actually love to know. Yeah, please, I know, got nothing wrong with nothing. I, no, I, no, I, we, we genuinely would like to know what is the purpose driven. I I I got a lot of love for those companies and the people inside those companies are not a reflection of No, 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 no. no. Uh, this is knowledge. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think Google, Microsoft and all these enterprise organizations they, they they have endless buckets of cash, I assume. If you look at their market cap and their revenue and their profits, etc. So I can't really answer for that but I, th I think when you come down like yeah. to like a startup for example like you can tell if they're purpose driven there are loads of startups that are probably doing reorgs and um layoffs yeah i think the very good ones if they make that choice it's to make sure the company survives because mm. if company doesn't survive correct then everyone's laid off yeah so i i can't answer it for for google or microsoft um but I think you can find that out for the interview process if you challenge enough. Um, Don't like forget, these big companies, they have multiple, multiple products. And ultimately, if the products are not doing very well, one of their products isn't doing very well, they need to shave. And mm. they may not be able to move those people internally because then they'd end up doubling up on somebody else's role. Is that because of an underinvestment in reskilling? Maybe it's just a failed product. Mm. True, I haven't... I mean, I think we're all going to face whenever it is. I'm not sure it'll be this year, but the the buzz will come back on TA and all these organizations. That yeah, right now we're in a burst bubble, right? Got rid of 80% of their TA team are going to regret it. And yeah. they're going to be hunting for TA people or have huge costs. I hope so. I hope I, I, so. No, I hope so. I hope that the, 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 the TA market comes back and comes back strong. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of trust issues. And there will be a lot of contractors saying, "Do you know what? Yeah, cool, yeah. but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put myself in that position again." Yeah. Um, but also, I think, by the way, uh, I think recruiters they will ask more questions during the interview. Yeah, you know, be asking much more around the commercials, which 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 we don't, which which by the way, do. I always say this: I want every single recruiter that's in my team to, at base level, understand the P and L. Yeah. Like have business acumen, have mm -hmm. commercial acumen. Exactly. If I interview a recruiter tomorrow and they say, "Hey, how long's your runway?" I think brilliant question, very very good question. Let's talk about it more. Like I, I strongly advise every recruiter next interview you have, ask those questions because you're going to join that organization. Exactly. And they should share that knowledge to what they can with you. And if they don't, then maybe there's your sign. That well, you're, you're taking a, taking like a risk analysis uh, review on it. Absolutely, it's like yeah. investment, right? You're investing your yes. time. Yes, and we talk about investments, and usually it's monetary. But this is actually you're investing your a lot of time lot into of this time. company. So you might as well make it the right choice. Hundred percent. Um, kind of moving on. What's your biggest TA pet peeve? Mm. 
Have you noticed this chair is squeaking? I've just noticed. It's very squeaky. I thought there was a mouse underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might just be me rocking back and forward. <laughs> um, biggest TA pet peeve. What irritates you? I think maybe some people might not like this. Postings hope for the best. Like, you know, TA recruiters that just post the, their jobs everywhere but don't want to do the headhunt and yeah. don't want to be the 360 recruiter. And not in all roles, you have to do it. But I do think, like, if you have a love for TA, then you... Post and pray. You have to have that hungry. It's hard, though, isn't it? Because at the same time, if you don't post it, then people don't know who you are, especially if you're an unknown brand, right? No, no. So I'm not saying don't post. Okay. I'm saying don't only post. Right. Because I think in a lot of situations where I've seen it's like, oh, just no good candidates applied. Yeah, you're talking about posting of the job. Yeah, he's talking about not posting as in social media posting. No, but just posting jobs as well. I mean, if people don't know that there's live vacancies or yeah, they should definitely post. Oh, you post activities on top of that. But then when you've got no good candidates for three weeks and you need to get and then there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. I I know know what you're saying. Don't just post. Make sure you do follow up and other things to it. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think those are the fundamentals you learn in a recruitment agency. You don't just post a job. You're straight or post a job, bang on the phone or sourcing. Those are the first things you're doing. Yeah. At all simultaneously, you're not doing it. Sorry, yeah, in parallel, not sequentially. You don't wait for... I know that some people do that and there's nothing wrong with it. I guess it depends on your situation, company, size, etc., capacity. Yeah. But, but I do agree with you. Mm. Maybe one more. And I think it depends on the oh, set. We've, we've lit something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the setup that you have. But do you know what I miss? Recruiters doing calls on the floor. Okay. Everyone goes into rooms now. Yeah. How can you learn? You hire yeah. a junior recruiter. Like I used to learn the most by listening to someone qualify a candidate for a role that I didn't know. I would take that information and use which was good of it. Mm. It's gone. I'd, well, maybe. In all the companies I've worked in recently, it's gone. It's a fair point. We have become quite siloed. It is quite, and even more so when you're working from home. Uh, see, I didn't have that at Wipro. Uh, so I, Zalando is very much the case, you know, phone booths and whatnot. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like you want your, to, like sometimes you need that space to think and you don't need the distractions. At Wipro is a bit different. You couldn't get a meeting room. So you literally were in office, everybody's loud and you're just talking. Yeah. And it was absolutely fine. It's kind of just normal to the point where even if you're a new recruiter and you weren't used to it, you kind of got used to it within the day because it was physically impossible to go get a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had the same at Critio. We had a ta- nice table, eight of us sitting here. We were all bashing the phone, speaking to candidates. But, but, it was fantastic, actually. But if, it if good, I had a good environment, it was yeah. a really good environment, to be fair. But if you give people the choice, they will take a room because it gives them a bit more privacy. I think there is an element of it's like, enabling people to do that as well i think it's just background noise i think what they're concerned about is when they're talking to people they don't want to hear they don't want them to really like they don't want to sound like they're in the zoo you know where there's lots and lots of noise behind do you think it's a fear element as well like people are embarrassed it's how i started the question i think you need to have the right setup because i i wouldn't uh tell a recruiter to go qualify a candidate on a floor where they're talking about salary and there's other people around etc yeah you do you need to enable the team to have the right environment. So I wouldn't ever say you have to do it. The environment needs to exist for it to be successful. But it's, it's just culture, isn't it? It's learned behavior. If every, if you join an organization, everyone does it. Mm. You end up doing it. Do you need to do calls nowadays? Like, is there other tools that can become uh, a bit more efficient in kind of helping you pre-qualify? But it does seem more like factory driven. But is that the case? does exist in i think very very high volume roles customer yeah. service but you still lose that person yeah. in touch you really do especially if you're a smaller business you can afford to, to really kind of invest the time in calling them if you're a larger business where you know you're a delivery company or you're the raw mail or someone like that where you've got to get people through the door because of the services that they need to deliver on of course it's got to be quicker right yeah. and much more automated I, Maybe one last part on that. Also, we have all managed TA teams. How many times has someone that someone in your team hired someone and that person came up to you and said, the reason I joined is because of X? Yeah. I don't know if a machine can do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm not disagreeing. I I think 100%, I think we double down. Now is the best time to double, triple, quadruple down on the personal touch. Because that's what's making the difference between all these companies. What you make them fall in love in, yeah, love in love with. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
What's your favorite tool? Productivity tool. Like productivity tool. Like, is there any kind of Chrome add-ons or anything like that? I'm trying to learn, right? I know you're a very efficient guy. Do you use any kind of project management tools or resource management tools? Yeah, I mean, for for sure. That's how we have to manage all our projects. But personally, I'm I'm not doing it yet. But one that I actually might I heard there's a tool now that you can add onto your Chrome that if there's no agenda, it rejects the invite. Oh, I like that. So if S Steve Kieran catch up, no agenda, reject, read. Uh, no agenda. That could be very good. Yes. If it's not, maybe we should quickly create. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut that out, oh, and then we'll sell. <laughs> it's very true. I, I like to talk about um, failures and successes. Um, what's been your biggest failure throughout your TA career? What have you learned from that? And then tell me about your successes as well. Biggest failure. Mm. He's like, I never had one. Never no. failed in my life. Purpose, purpose. No, I, <laughs> no, no, but thinking about what you can also teach the audience and the viewers as well. I've had, I've had loads. I think, I think at booking when I first moved into management, I was only numbers driven, so I led by numbers, which can make a team efficient, but you can lose trust with the team very quickly. Did you become blind by the numbers? Yes. Yeah. So I think I was very like, here's the KPIs. Hit the KPIs. If you don't hit the KPIs. So that it took probably quite a lot of coaching. I had a very good uh, manager at the time, and I think it completely changed the way that I do people management now. Yeah. Numbers still tell a story, hundred percent. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But there's there's a it balance doesn't explain to that. the bigger story sometimes yeah. that's going on, going on behind the curtain. Yeah, biggest success. I don't know. I think TA has been very lucky to me. I've lived in London. Then I moved Maybe to. Maybe you've not had it yet. I Maybe moved to Amsterdam. Been... Moved to Berlin. Now live in Barcelona. I think all of it is, is is this career is successful in general. But I think it's more like you. What I've observed, having worked with you, is it's the you do the the dailies really well. Yeah. Right. It doesn't necessarily need to be a huge project that you've been successful in because I think even with technically speaking, even the implementation of exec recruiting as a Lando, that was a big, big achievement. Um, the work you've done recently with the war, that's a big achievement. Mm -hmm. The transition into people team role, that's a big achievement. So I think the, we've all been, we could all be very critical of it, but. I actually do have an answer now that you said that I thought for success is build the right teams. I, like there's a Lando team that yeah. we built exec unbelievably strong the booking team i think one of them's director at netflix ta one's director at wayfair one's vp at the zone yeah like building very very strong teams is probably something that i'm most yeah. proud of and nice. we've got that now in preply with andreas and, and others that are part mm. of the team amazing nice um i lost my trailer thought that's all right i've got some questions this or that question you're gonna do the quick fire ones yeah all right go on how can I, uh, you love these quick fire questions. I think they're great. It just put you on the spot. Um, okay, quick fire question. Recruitment through networking or job boards, which is more effective in your experience? Um, job boards for high volume roles, networking for uh, <laughs> harder to fill roles. In-person interviews or virtual interviews, which do you prefer and why? Two years ago, in-person, now virtual. <laughs> <laughs> Same answer. <laughs> Focus on skills or focus on cultural fit. What do you prioritize in a recruitment process? Uh, cultural fit. Skills can be trained. Nice. Traditional job descriptions or project-based job descriptions, which you believe provides a clearer picture of the role and responsibilities? I'm not sure I even have an answer to that, so I'll go traditional. <laughs> These are difficult. Uh, referral programs or employee branding, which do you believe has a greater impact on attracting top talent? Referral programs, statistically, they stay longer and perform better. Yeah, and if yeah. your people can't sell the company, then what is going on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Employee retention or employee development, which do you prioritize more in terms of investment and focus? Employee retention, because you can't develop them if they've left. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, passive candidate recruiting or active candidate recruiting, which do you find more effective in finding top talent? Active. Go get her. Hungry. 
recruitment automation or well, this is already another recruitment automation or human touch. I'll, I'll answer it for you. Human touch. Um, that is the correct, right? Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, sourcing through employee referrals or LinkedIn, which has more successful, uh, which has been more successful in your experience? Um, employee referrals is more successful if you're at a scale organization. When you're a very small organization, it's you only have so many people that can no. refer. So I think it depends on the situation that you're in. Okay, this last question is my favorite. Um, Hiring for potential or hiring for experience, what do you believe is the best approach for finding top talent? So hiring for potential or hiring for experience for a million USD. <laughs> do you want to phone a friend? I do. Can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, next time, I think we should get one of those countdown clocks yeah. and have them in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've put it on digitally. I've yeah. cheered on every single one, but I love hiring for potential. Yeah. There's some roles that you can't do that. Cool. You need to hire for experience in some roles. 100%. So based on your answer, I have a question of being a TA leader. Do you think they should ban the CV? Mm, no. Are you hiring for CVs or are you hiring for people? It's hard, isn't it? Yes. Debatable though, isn't it? It is debatable, but it's a good question to ask. It's a good question. I, the, the, you could ban it, but it's not scalable because then you have to speak to every single candidate unless you give them some sort of other test, which also can cause some issues. But if there's no CV, but then maybe the, there is another way. We just no one's figured it out yet. Maybe we don't need a CV. Something, something like else. Blockchain CV, or actually just LinkedIn. Well, by LinkedIn profile, yeah, just yeah. getting people to answer more detailed summaries. Oh, oh, video. Oh, wait, is that not a resume? I've not seen. I've not, I've not seen a CV that's not a LinkedIn profile, profile yeah. in profile, five yeah. years. Yeah, something to think about. Do we have? Well, we, I'd like to see someone replace the CV, but in a much more you know clean, innovative way, that we don't have to rely on the exact skills match for the job. Right. Let's yeah. look at the. What else can you do? Wasn't a CV for a long time? There weren't CVs back in nineteen eighty nine. They had no problem hiring then. Yeah, my mum, but different roles. You see, you see that what's happened, right? And I was when I was doing some research on history. We didn't have CVs 30, 40 years ago. Not really. We had resumes and pieces of paper where people used to write on them and stuff. But no, sorry, 30, 40 years ago. I'm talking about sixty years ago. Mm. <clears throat> but what's happened is over the years is we put blockers in place to make our own jobs and lives so much harder to hire people and scale and grow. Isn't it because we want more from people? We need to knock down our own blockers. <laughs> yeah, I think we've <laughs> become very specific about what we want in the hires we make. Going back to that Milton Freeman, we hire, or we're trying to make as much money as possible. So the people we hire, we need to make sure the inv their investments and they give us as much return of imp uh, as possible. And because of that, we've become so obsessed with understanding instead of your uh, potential, your fit. Mm. And did you do this? Okay, do this again. Instead of I'm going to hire you and you're going to learn and you're going to, we do do that and companies do do it and we do reskilling and all of this. But yeah. there's an element where the attitude towards work has changed and now it's changing again. I think like around, I think it was the 70s and 80s. There were, it was all about referrals, right? Come and let know, me introduce you to someone, or it was a lot of there was a lot more people within the industry. If they were in a specific industry, it was much more referral based. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Well, look, I think on that note. Well, no, we got no. You have one more question. Yeah, do I'm you want to so ask sorry. this time? Well, I'm happy to. No, go on. It's a pleasure. Uh, what's the most embarrassing situation uh, you've faced yeah. in your career so far? The most embarrassing. Can I give you craziest instead? Or I can do one embarrassing one. Oh when well. Craziest might have been embarrassing. No. Wildest. 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 Yeah. Wildest. When I was working for a specific company. Um, very specific company. A very specific company that I might not name. Um, and people are going to complain. Say it and then we'll beep it out. So people are going to complain about the impact <laughs> on CO2 emissions here. But... Okay. Um, 
we had a very senior candidate that we wanted to relocate during COVID, so now you'll be able to work out which company. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a uh, vitamin C based company. And we uh, couldn't get the candidate from the US to Germany, and they needed to come for their visa, and they were going to pull out. Uh, and in the end, we actually had two uh, families that were going to relocate. And one of the senior execs told me, you need to make this happen. And I said, how do I make it happen? You need to make it happen, Kieran. So I called someone in our management services team and he jokingly said that let's hire a private jet. And then I said, let's hire a private jet. <laughs> <laughs> and we hired a private jet and flew uh, two new senior talents and their families, etc., over. And actually it all worked out because they all still work there today and are having a very good impact. So. I mean, candidate experience. I was about to say that's probably one of the best onboarding, literally, uh, <laughs> you know, experiences that I've ever heard of. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. It was oh, cool. what a joke! Great. <laughs> Great. Do you have any questions for us? Um, yes, I have two. One, thank you and congratulations. I think what you're doing is very, very good. Thank Genuinely, you. appreciate that. Uh, very you. professional setup. Joe Rogan-esque. Yeah. Actually, one question I do have for you that I was having with, um, actually, three of my direct reports. Uh, how do you manage to do your job effectively when you both have kids and a family? Because I could not imagine that right now because yeah. my work takes up so much time and I have such like respect, <laughs> in all honesty. So... You asked me today, you WhatsApped me and said, uh, how did you do this? And I said, I've got, I got a secret. I've got a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm obsessive, literally obsessive about my calendar. So I am very, I would say I'm very organized. I'm like, mm. if you saw everything I do, I've shown you the color coding, color coding, uh, my time boxing, um, my work during the work hours like is like the best has ever been in the sense that I'll have four hours blocked out for meetings and then I'll have four hours free. Yeah. And that four hours free allows me to do everything I need. And by the end of the day, my inbox is zero every single day. Even t before I came in here, zero. Yeah. So I just very obsessive about it. Plus I enjoy this. We talked yeah. about this before. What about you? Um, I mean, first of all, I'm not measured by the number of hours that I work. Um, the three things that are, I suppose that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, what's that word that, that helped me put me in this position? Is time management, communication, and support. That's it. You know, I've got, I'm very uh, transparent about what I'm doing. Uh, my family support me. They love it because I come home and I tell them all about it. My kids love it. because, Especially because my children are into YouTube. <laughs> so they're always, oh, how many of you followers have you got today? How many likes have you got today? How many comments have you got today? You know, they are going onto the apps and they're looking and they're really, really curious. So actually, it's quite a nice way for engaging. And then I have a little competition with uh, one of my eldest, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, my wife is extremely supportive. So, yeah. I think I think anybody who wants to do something and is passionate about it, like me and Steve, we're passionate about helping people. Mm. And this is not funded by anybody. This is me and him just put it together real exactly. quick. And we just thought, well, how can we have just a normal conversation with people we know and people we don't and just ask them how did they get to where they are and, you know, learn so much today, which was really helpful. And this is exciting, you know. And we said, like we said right at the beginning of our first episode, this is about this platform is to help people navigate through their careers. So having, you know, guests like yourself being able to give insights, nuggets, knowledge, this it's 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 priceless, mm -hmm. right? You can't just get that from anywhere. Um, especially people don't know who you are, um, or have experienced the same situation as you, but haven't didn't know how to cope with that kind of situation. So I do believe that yeah, yeah this, this is taking advantage of your experience, learning from your mistakes to avoid the same. Awesome. Right, one quick fun question. Right. Fast forward five years, 
Yeah. Episode 1000. <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed to choose one celebrity to interview both of you. Oh, wow. Celebrity. Fast. Quick, quick fire. Someone, Simon Sinek. <sighs> quick fire. I'll, I'll, uh, it's really hard because you... you Woody Allen. Oh, wow. Woody Allen. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Ricky Gervais was going to come up. No, no, no. He's fantastic at what he does. His creative mind is incredible. And he's also, I think, underrated in some areas. Yeah. Um, But the the stuff that he has put on the screens is amazing. Mm. So smart. I'd love to know how he comes up with these ideas. Yeah, uh, Simon Sinek, he's just optimistic. He's like, great, right? Just a very interesting person, has all these golden nuggets. So very um, inspired by him. Look, thank you so much yeah. for being here. Really excited. Thank um, you. Do you want to? I did last time, you do this time. Did you do it last time? Yeah, your camera's there, my friend, oh, ready right. for you. I'll, I'll say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, and as I said at the beginning, please like, subscribe, comments, feedback, everything welcome. Um, This is for you as much as it is for us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks for watching. You're going to want to watch this episode with Hung Lee, where we cover AI and the future of work, his overall background, and creating recruiting brave food, and so much more.